Here at Westridge Church, our sole purpose and desire is to lead people on a life-changing journey to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you for deciding to join us in worship through one of our messages. We pray this message will be supplemental to your daily commitment to Jesus. To find out more about Westridge Church or to connect with us, check us out at westridge.com. There's so many things about Mary's life that I think just makes her such a fascinating part of the Christmas story. There's so many things that that I believe that we can learn from her today. And if you're not completely familiar with how she actually became part of the story of Jesus' birth, or, or maybe, if it's, maybe it's been a long time since you've actually read it, I want to I read it to you today. And if uh, you don't have a Bible with you, we'll have the words on the screen. But from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man, whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God." You know, throughout the Gospels, Mary played a vital role in the life of Jesus throughout his ministry. Other than his heavenly father, his mother Mary is the one constant in his life that we see from beginning to end. She was was there at his birth. She was there throughout his childhood. She was there to witness much of his earthly ministry. She was there to see his first miracle. And she was there at the cross. But think for a moment about what it must have been like to find out from an angel that you have been chosen to be the mother of God's son. I mean, can you imagine the vast arrays, array of emotion that, that you might have dealt with? The Bible says that she was frightened. I mean, what, what teenage girl wouldn't be? I mean, she probably feared for her life since she wasn't married to Joseph yet. To get pregnant before you were born in this culture back at this time was caused to be put to death. She certainly had questions. I mean, how in the world could she be pregnant since she was still a virgin? I'm wondering, you know, I'm sure she wondered, how in the world am am I going to explain this to Joseph? How am I going to explain this to my parents and my friends? I mean, this is before Facebook. I mean, how in the world? I mean, how are they going to respond? Who's going to believe this crazy story? But what an awesome gift to know that out of all the women in the world, God chose you to bring his son into the world. There's so much we can learn from Mary's life and from Mary's story. And I want to talk about a few of them this afternoon. One is just simply that when God chooses to use you or bless you, it's always an act of his grace. When Mary was born, the the golden age of Israel's proud history was was past. No king of of, of David's family had ruled in, in Jerusalem for over 500 years. But the Jews were still waiting for the Messiah, the ruler that had been promised through the pages of the Old Testament, that had actually been promised by the Old Testament prophets, the one who would come from David's family and sit on David's throne and rule forever. 
And from everything that we know about Mary, she came from a very humble, godly Jewish upbringing. Mary's father was a a descendant of King David through David's son, Nathan. Her parents probably raised her to be devoted to God and to his word. Mary was, was from the town of Nazareth. First century Nazareth was, was only famous for one thing, sin. History tells us that drunkenness and prostitution ran rampant in this town. Matter of fact, in, in John chapter 1, when the, when the disciple Philip was trying to recruit Nathaniel to also be a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth, and Nathaniel's response was, can anything good actually come out of Nazareth? For those of you who maybe are here this afternoon, you're trying to raise a teenage daughter to be a godly woman, a godly woman in the midst of a culture that's pulling against everything that you're trying to teach. I mean, you can certainly relate and identify with Mary's parents here. To be a follower of God in a place like Nazareth would have been a challenge for any teenage girl. Yet it was in Nazareth that the angel of Gabriel spoke to a young woman named Mary and told her that she was actually going to be the mother of Jesus. Now, obviously, Mary was a young lady who, who chose to live a righteous life in, in a very difficult environment. God wasn't going to just bless any girl with this amazing honor. And Mary's name wasn't randomly drawn out of a hat or something like that. I'm sure that when God looked at Mary, he saw a young woman who was faithful and who was usable. She had set herself apart from other, lady, other young ladies in her time. He knew that in spite of the obvious fears that she would have, that, that she would have faith in him. He knew that, that even though she might have had some doubts about what her future might look like, she knew that, he knew that, that, that he would stay with, with her, that, 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 that she would say yes to her offer to be the mother of Jesus. And Mary's response to the angel gives us a picture of her faith. In Luke one thirty eight. it says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, Lord, I'm yours. And may everything you say about me come true. As a young girl, Mary had tremendous faith and courage, even enough that, that God knew that, that she was someone that, that he could actually trust to bring his son into the world. He knew that, that she would be a great mother and provide a wonderful, safe environment for Jesus to be raised. She, she knew that, 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 that she would stay with him through everything he experienced, even his death on a cross. And yet, with all of that said, the angel Gabriel actually tells Mary, Mary, listen, I want you to know the reason why God has chosen to use you and bless you to be the mother of Jesus is simply an act of God's grace. Gabriel makes it real clear in his introduction to Mary. He says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The word favored actually means to receive grace. Mary was a recipient of God's wonderful grace. And God knew that he could trust Mary to raise his son. But this amazing gift to be Jesus' mother was a gift of grace. I want you to know that today every single one of you in this room have been touched in some way by God's amazing grace. If you're here this afternoon and you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ to become your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to know that was a gift that was given to you out of God's grace. If God has blessed your life in any way this afternoon... It's a gift of his grace. As I stand up here this afternoon, I realize I've made some choices and decisions that have allowed me to be here, but I want you to know, and I know this every single time I stand up here, it's God's grace. If you're sitting here, and I want you to know you're still breathing, you're a recipient of God's grace. 
Mary was an amazing young lady who, who made some choices that allowed her to be blessed by God in an amazing way. But God's favor on her was a gift of grace. God chooses to use us. If he chooses to bless us, it's always a result of his grace. And that's something that we can all praise him for today. Another thing that I learned from Mary's life is that sometimes God has a different plan for us than the one that we're currently on. The Bible says very clearly that every person was made for a purpose. You and I were made for a purpose. God has designed you very uniquely. He has a reason for you actually being on this earth. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now I want you to know that that promise was, was made very specifically to the exiles of Jerusalem living in Babylon thousands of years before you were actually born. However, here's what I love about this verse. It reveals the character of God towards his people. And God says, my plans for your life are, are, are for good, not for disaster. I have a plan to give you a hope and a future. And as God's children, as God's people, because we've been grafted into the story, we can claim that for ourselves because his character never changes. His heart for his children never changes. Now, that doesn't mean that we're, we're not going to go through, through some challenges and some trials. and It doesn't mean that we're not going to face some difficult, difficulties. But what it, what it does mean is that regardless of what you go through, you can trust the character of God. We can know without a shadow of a doubt that he has a hope for us, that he has a future, that our future is in, in his hands because he's faithful. And we can also count on the fact that he has a plan for our lives. Now, I want to tell you three things about God's plan for your life that you may not know. First of all, God's plan for your life may be actually bigger than your plan because he has a bigger perspective. When Joseph asked Mary to marry him, neither of them had any idea that the two of them were going to be the earthly parents of God's son. I mean, Mary probably planned on doing what she had seen her friends do, her relatives do. I mean, we'll, Joseph and I will get married. He'll be a carpenter. I'll work wherever from home or wherever. If it's God's plan, we'll have children. We'll, we'll live as, as normal just a normal Nazarene couple, like I've seen so many of my friends before me do. I mean, that was her perspective. However, God's plan for her was so much more than she could have ever imagined. God was going to use her to bring his son into the world to be the savior of all of mankind. You know, sometimes we limit what God may want to do in our lives by either a lack of faith or, or by simply choosing to make ourselves unusable. But it's quite possible that God may have something bigger for you than you've ever dreamed of. And I think God's plan for Mary's life was bigger than she could ever have imagined. Second thing is that God's plan for your life is harder than your plan. And that's why so many people actually cut out on him. It's, it's our human nature to take the easy way out, to want to slide through life, to take the course of least resistance. But God says, I want to build you. I want to use you. I want to mold you. I want to shape you. I want to develop you as a person. And sometimes that molding and shaping, that road is not an easy one. Matter of fact, I found that God is more interested in my character than he is my comfort. He wants all of us to grow up. He wants us to be mature. He wants us to become people, people of character and integrity and to take responsibility. And when Mary said, okay, God, I'm going to say yes to your plan. You can use me. Listen, I, that, that, that was not an easy decision for her to make. The culture of that day did not accept a situation like this, but she had faith that God was clearly at work, and she knew that this was going to be a tough plan. 
But the third thing we need to know about God's plan is that God's plan for your life is always more rewarding. There are so many people I meet that walk through life who are worn out and fatigued and filled with fear and anxiety. Why? Because sometimes they're following their own plan for their life instead of God's plan. God's plan may be harder than your plan, but it's always going to be more rewarding. You may say, how do I know what God's plan is for my life? Well, listen, God's plan is not hard to find. Ultimately, God's plan for our life involves three things. First of all, he wants us to know his son Jesus personally, in a very personal way. A lot of us know about Jesus, but we may not know him personally. We may not have a personal relationship with him. We've had a lot of religion, but we've never experienced a relationship. Knowing Jesus personally is about a relationship. Jesus is God's Christmas gift to this world. The second thing is he wants us to walk in obedience to his word. And I know for a lot of us, we grew up believing that this book was nothing more than just a bunch of do's and don'ts that really just put a, put a, put a crimp in our lifestyle. But I want you to know this book is full of, of the story of Jesus and how it just impacts our life and everything in here. It's for our good and for God's glory. The third thing is that God wants us to spend our life serving him. He wants us to use the gifts and talents and the abilities that he's given us to do his work on this earth. Ultimately, every single person that ever lives will have to give an account for the answer to this one question. What did we do with God's son, Jesus? For those who, who become Christ followers, we're going to give an account in heaven to another question. How did we use the gifts and the talents and the resources that God gave us while we were here on earth? You've heard me say this before if you've been here for a long time. This life is a warm-up act for the next life. And God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And we learn from Mary's story, story that many times that plan is different than the one that we're currently on. The third thing that we learn from just Mary's story is that God wants us to trust him. I mean, can you imagine for a moment the faith that it must have, must have, must have, must have took for Joseph to do what he had to do? I mean, if your fiancé came to you one day and said, listen, you know, honey, I want to tell you something. I'm pregnant, and by the way, it's God's fault. Would you believe that story? Probably not. The Bible tells us at first Joseph didn't. Matter of fact, he was going to put her away privately. It was, he was going to call off the whole engagement until God sent an angel to come to him in a dream to tell him that what Mary was experiencing, what she was actually saying, was true. What was God calling Joseph to do? To trust him. What did the angel say to Mary? He said, fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. In other words, Mary, trust me. And they both had a decision to make, and they both responded the same way. They responded by faith. See, the Bible says that there's only one way for us to please God. It's not by religion. It's not by ritual. It's not by ceremony. It's not by following a list of rules. In the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, it says the only way to actually please God is by faith. Without faith, the Bible says, is it impossible to please God. God wants you this afternoon to place your faith in him alone for salvation. And then he wants you to live every single day walking Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking in faith. He wants you to trust him with every single thing you're going through. Listen, nearly every single day I'm faced with a question. Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust me? Do I think I know better or do I think God knows better? Do I think that I know what's best for me or do I actually really believe that God knows what's best for me? There's a promise that the angel Gabriel makes to Mary that, that all of us can grab on today when we start feeling weak, when our faith starts wavering just a bit. 
In Luke 1.37, the angel says to Mary, Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. One of the biggest lessons I've learned from Mary's story is that, listen, God just wants me to trust him with every single thing in my life. I may not understand what God is up to when I go through tough moments, but I know I can trust him because he has a better plan for my life than I do. God wants you to trust him just like he wants me to trust him. Every year we do a, an event here um, around Christmas time at Westridge called Hope for Christmas. Some of you may be here this afternoon as a result of that. And we get, a ch- we get an opportunity to partner with other churches around the metro Atlanta area and a few different states. And we get a chance to just bless people who are struggling during cr- the Christmas season. And thousands of people come right through that door right over here to my right. And we just get a chance to love on them and to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And when I show up for Hope for Christmas, I have just a couple things in mind. I want to encourage people, and I want to love on them. As I engage people from our community, I I just uh, always, I'll hear heartbreaking stories. And every person that walks in this building during that time always has a story of why they need help. And oftentimes, it just grips your heart. What do you say say to struggling people? What do you say to people who are facing life-altering decisions, who who are wondering how they're going to make it through the next day, the next week, the next year? Here's what you say. You just say, God loves you. He has a plan for your life, and you can trust him. And some of you have walked into this building this afternoon with a very heavy burden on your heart. I want you to know God loves you. He has a plan for your life, and you can trust him. Some of you have just recently experienced a loss in your life. We've just, in the last few days, we've dealt with folks in our church who have, who have dealt with just tragic losses. I want you to know if you're here this afternoon, God loves you, and you can trust him. Some of you are in a very difficult marital situation right now. It looks bleak to you. I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but I want you to know that God loves you and you can trust him. Some of you are dealing with a tough illness right now, a a, a very difficult health situation. God loves you and you can trust him. When God's trying to get your attention and maybe his plan that is different than the one that you're currently on and you're struggling with that, I want you to know that he loves you and you can trust him. See, ultimately the reason that God sent his son at Christmas was because he loved people so much that he knew that the world would not make it unless he sent his son Jesus so that we would have an opportunity to put our faith and our trust in him. He knew that we would perish in eternity separated from him without an opportunity to have a relationship with him. And so he sent Jesus. See, that's the message of Christmas. God brought you here this afternoon to get your attention you may, have had, you may have been on a different plan when you walked in here this afternoon, but he's asking you this afternoon to put your trust and faith in him. I want you to think for a moment about what Mary must have gone through. I mean, the conversation that she had with her family, the, the, the moment that she had with her friends trying to explain this, the long, long journey on a donkey to Bethlehem. She gave birth to Jesus in an animal stable. Listen, this was no picnic. This was a tough ordeal. But think of what she would have missed out on had she had said no to God's plan of grace for her life, she would have missed out on being the mother of the Savior of the world. When it came to receiving God's free gift of salvation, Mary came to faith in Jesus the same way that you and I do, faith alone. She had to put her faith and her trust in her own son to be her personal Savior. And that's kind of a cool thought, isn't it? One of my favorite Stories about Mary and Jesus was written by one of my favorite authors, Max Lucado. Years ago, he, he wrote a, a Christmas book, 
in one of the chapters. It's called Mary's Prayer. And I want to take a moment and read it to you. And it's going to require some glasses. God, oh God, heaven's fairest child, conceived by the union of divine grace with our disgrace, sleep well. Sleep well. Bask in the coolness of this night, bright with diamonds. Sleep well, for the heat of angry uh, anger simmers nearby. Enjoy the silence of the crib, for the noise of confusion rumbles in your future. Savor the sweet safety of my, my arms, for a day is soon coming when I cannot protect you. Rest well, tiny hands, for though you belong to a king, you will touch no satin, no gold. You will grasp no pen, guide no brush. No, your tiny hands are reserved for works more precious, to touch a leper's open wound, to wipe a a widow's weary tear, to claw the ground of Gethsemane. Your hands so tiny, so tender, so white, clutched tonight in an infant's fist, they aren't destined to hold a scepter, nor wave from a palace balcony. They're reserved instead for a Roman spike that will staple them to a Roman cross. Sleep deeply, tiny eyes. Sleep while you can, for soon the blurriness you will clear and you will see the mess we have made of your world. You will see our nakedness, for we cannot hide. You'll see our selfishness, for we cannot give. You'll see our pain, for we cannot heal. Oh, eyes that will see hell's darkest pit and witness her ugly prince. Sleep, please sleep. Sleep while you can. Lay still, tiny mouth. Lay still, tiny mouth, from which eternity, tiny tongue, will soon summon the dead that will define grace, that will silence our foolishness. Rosebud lips upon which ride a starborn kiss of forgiveness to those who believe you and of death to those who deny you. Lay still. And tiny feet cupped in the palm of my hand rest. For many difficult steps lie ahead for you. Do you taste the dust of the trails you will travel? Do you feel the cold sea water upon which you will walk? Do you wrench at the invasion of the nail you will bear? Do you fear the steep descent down the spiral staircase into Satan's domain? Rest, tiny feet. Rest today so that tomorrow you might walk with power. Rest for millions will follow in your steps. And little heart, holy pumping the blood of life through the universe. How many times will we break you? You will be torn by the thorns of our accusations. You'll be ravaged by the cancer of our sin. You will be crushed under the weight of your own sorrow, and you will be pierced by the spear of our rejection. Yet in that piercing, in the ultimate ripping of muscle and membrane, and that final rush of blood and water, you will find rest. Your hands will be freed. Your eyes will see justice. Your lips will smile. And your feet will carry you home. And there you'll rest again, this time in the embrace of your Father. When I read what I just read to you, I want you to know it's a very creative version of the gospel message. Jesus Christ came to this earth 2,000 years ago as a baby. He lived upon this earth for over 33 years as a man. He went to the cross as a sacrificial lamb, as a savior, so that we might have forgiveness of sins, so that things could finally be made right between us and God, so that we might know without a shadow of a doubt that it was all said and done. And when our life was over, 
we could have a future in heaven. And God sent his son to do all of this for one reason. He loved us. Today, God loves you. It's a love that we don't deserve. That's why his grace is so, so amazing. But the question that he asks all of you this afternoon is, will you trust him? Will you receive his free gift of salvation that he's offered to you by grace through faith alone? I want to ask you to bow your head for just a moment, if you would. Everyone in this place, if you would, and if it would help you to close your eyes, you can do that. If you have walked into this place this afternoon, and we're so glad you're here, by the way, and all of a sudden you've found yourself on a different plan than the one that God has for you, and you just feel this tugging in your heart, I want you to know it's the Holy Spirit of God who is extending to you God's free gift of salvation. It's grace. How can I receive it? By faith. Faith alone in Jesus Christ. And if that's where you are this afternoon, if that's who you are this afternoon, I want you to pray with me at this very moment. Just say something like this in your heart. Lord, at this very moment, I place all of my faith and all of my trust in Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior. I'm so thankful that you sent him thousands of years ago to be my Savior so that I could celebrate him during this time. But Lord, more than any other time of my life, it's more personal to me right now. I realize I'm lost. I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. And so, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? I repent of my sins. And I receive into my life a gift of salvation that I could never earn on my own. What Jesus Christ did for me on the cross was was enough, and I place all of my faith and all of my trust in that, not in rules, not in religion, not in ritual, not in my background, but in Jesus alone. And I want to say thank you for offering me a gift that I never deserved. Thank you. With heads bowed, eyes still closed. If you just prayed that with me, maybe you prayed it years ago, but you didn't understand it for the first time, it makes sense to you, or maybe you prayed it for the first time at this very moment. Would you do me a favor? I want to pray for you. Would, you. would you lift your hand up so I could see it all over this auditorium? Hands are going up. So thankful that you're here today. And I want to take a moment and welcome you into God's family. We are so glad that you're here today. Would you do me a favor? You can put your hand down. As soon as we're done... You were handed an opportunity, you were handed a guest card as you came in. Would you fill that out? Check the box that says, today I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you take it to the Help Center so that we can give you something to help you take your next step on the journey with Jesus Christ? We want to partner with you. But Lord, thank you for every person that's put their trust in you today. That's why we're here. That's what this is all about. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And we're so honored to be able to partner with you to offer, Lord, through your Holy Spirit alone, a gift of salvation. And we're so thankful for so many that just received it. And may they, Father, take the next step on their journey with you. Lord, for all of us, as we walk through this Christmas Eve day, as we celebrate Christmas tomorrow, may we take a moment and may we say thank you to you for giving us the gift of Jesus allowing us to know him in a personal way, to know you in a personal way, for allowing us to be able to 
be able to place our trust in you and for knowing, Lord, that you love us and that we can trust you and you have a plan for our lives. And we're so thankful for all of that. And we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen.